Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. I'm your host, Dylan, and welcome to episode eight of the Save Your Breath podcast. Honestly, <laughs> episode episode eight. I never, I never knew it could um could get this far. It's kind of weird how like every time I record now, it's like it's a bigger number each time. But um, yeah, we're gonna skip past that. <laughs> and uh, well, today's guest for the show, um, he's, a, he's a friend of mine, met him through another friend of a friend. Uh, we will definitely talk more about that as we go along in this episode. Um, but without further ado, my guest for today's episode is Rob. Rob, how's it going, man? Good, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Can't complain. Can't complain. Um, yeah. So, like, what's what's been on your mind, man? Like, what's up? Oh, man. Well, you know, I've been taking going through school. Um, going through a move, going through a lot of things right now. Uh, during, I guess, this time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a rough time to be doing all that. I know, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, kind of been going through a little bit of hard times, but, you know, it's expected. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I do understand that it's been a bit harder for you um, uh, as opposed to most. Um, I mean, obviously, like, there have been people, especially, like, this year, just alone in general. Like, this year has just been... It's been weird. It's been yeah. very weird. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, ever since March, it was kind of weird, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Ever since that whole lockdown thing? Yeah, they were just like... We were like, what? A lockdown? How? How... How does this happen? Everyone, go home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's gonna happen? I'm, I honestly thought this thing was gonna last for two weeks. To be honest, like that's what <laughs> they said in the first place. <laughs> I thought it was gonna last for two weeks. I'm like, okay, so uh, so, so I was in St. Kitts, right? The, the, that's where my uh, my med school was, right? So okay, yeah, and then you can talk about that more later. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so I was there. Um, I literally can't get, get the news. Um, I've been hearing what was going on during, during the world or whatever. And I'm like, what do I do? All the other schools are kind of like closing down type thing. They're all switching to online mode. And I'm like, I better hope our school does this too. So anyway, so we, uh, I literally uh, talked to my landlord and this man. I got, I got a GTFO. Here's like one month's rent. I'll probably be back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of went a few things there, which I did. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, you know, GTFO that out there and now I'm here. But, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if you feel this way too, but it feels like this year alone has had at least four or five years in one. Like there's just been so many different things happening at like so many different points throughout this entire year. So it just feels like it doesn't really feel like a year has gone by. It feels like it's been five in one. Right? I mean like yes. bro, system went down. They came with a I no one expected that. Like 2020 is full of well, full of surprises. Like today, I, I saw this article. I don't know how how reliable the source is, but I just saw the headlines. And obviously, uh, 
news articles online where they have like a lot of those like clickbait titles. Yeah. So the the, <laughs> the title was um, "Animals that have been uh, buried uh, because they died from COVID are now bursting out of their graves in Europe." What? Yeah. So we got zombie animals in Europe. <laughs> oh right. Who who had zombies on their bingo card? It's for this year, right? And zombie rats in New York. He got what? Um, Return of the Monkeys in I don't know somewhere in uh, where is it Africa? <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is the year where everything just like really comes to the surface and then we all have to like figure out how to deal with it which i mean i think none of us were prepared for oh man no i i honestly thought this thing would last for maybe a month maybe two months um but i mean that's about it to be honest um yeah you know you know what the funny thing is Mm, so uh, two years ago, when I was still in, um, we were training. Um, we were training for something bad uh, with like something with CBR. So, like, we were like wearing suits and everything with like gas masks and all that stuff, right? Like hazmat suits? Uh, it's like the military version of hazmat, I guess. It's it's, it's kind of weird. It's like um, we were given, I guess, a suit with like. Uh, maybe like a two centimeter thick like lead um uh it was coated with like lead so it had like a lead um i guess insulation in it okay yeah yeah but i guess they were like uh, using the, the the training outfits right so those didn't have it but like if it were then if it were the real thing then we would have it right so anyway so we were training with that for my, my unit uh I, I was in Petawawa. my unit at the time we were training oh, for maybe was it seven to eight months or whatever. We were doing that type of training. We were, oh, right. we, were we were like really like we had a hard one for this type of stuff for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. I'm just like, just like you know, yeah. Like I was probably in that suit a good three or four times each week. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a bit too much. Uh, I remember uh, back in basic training, we would go up to this. It would take me like forever just to put it on. Like I think we had about like seven to eight minutes to put it on, or maybe less. I can't remember. And then you just now just put it on like two minutes. Like, it's no big deal. Like it's, it's actually really hard. Like well, it used to be hard to get into it, uh, until you I know, put it on so many times, especially the boots and everything. But. Right, right. And also, okay, so this is like military training in uh, Petawawa, you said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were there. Um, okay, so the thing about Petawawa is that Petawawa is kind of like uh, the unit of Canada. Kind of. Okay, yeah, uh, right. I'm not to say that. We're always busy. I'm not saying that we're the only unit that's busy in Canada, but we're one of the units that hold a dark position um what else do we hold uh we hold we held the uh, i forgot what it's called but it was something where we go to the north and we do some exercises there um like in case if there was like an airplane crash somewhere in the north pole or whatever we would go um, wait so you you've been to the north pole 
Um, I have, okay, so funny story, funny story here. Um, <laughs> so, so let's go. Yes. So in the army, we have a thing of, um, we have to use our leave each year. I had, okay. I had accumulated so many leave days that I was forced to come out of the exercise and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so basically like what happened this year, but, uh, yeah, pretty much. Like, like I was yeah. supposed to go home for two weeks um, during like the Christmas time, or like, okay. like, yeah. two, three weeks, whatever. Because I, I just accumulated so much, so much leave. I just never used leave throughout the summer, throughout like wherever. Right. Yeah. And then I was forced to go home. Um, and whenever that happened, I got taken off the, uh, the like the winter exercise to go to the north. Um, so I'm, I honestly, uh, I, I don't know now looking back, if I wanted to go or not because like it's cold, man. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> so, like, what is what was the lowest temperature you like experienced there? And then, like, was it really extreme, or was it like kind of uh, mild or more mild than you expected for the north? I mean, I, I haven't been to the north to be honest, um, because as I said, I got taken off the X, so I was really happy. Um, but. I mean, the coldest I've experienced is maybe, I don't know, like the regular like negative 30 or whatever. Okay, so yeah, that's like here. Yeah, yeah, so this, it's yeah. normal. This is like when wind is hurting your face type, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I, I hate that. Um, but, so yeah, for the, for the listeners at home, uh, Rob, um, basically he was, or he trained in like the Canadian military. And... Um, uh, I'm actually curious as well, like how did that all start and like, what was it like and what are, what were your views on it from before you started and what are you, what were your views on it during and then what are your views on it after as in like now? All right. Well, like you want to talk about the, the recruiting thing, like you want to hear about that? Yeah. Like basically from the very start, if you, if you, you want yeah, to sure. go down so, that path. Yeah. Um, I think it was back in 2012. Um, this is okay. Uh, this is back when I just got back from uni. Um, I was going to Georgian College to do some sort of like a bachelor's in science and nursing, whatever. Right. Uh, it caught the SDM for short. I, I was doing that. Turns out I don't like it. You know, I. Three, you know, three months in the course, I'm like, I really don't want to do this anymore. And I don't think this is where my life is headed. I don't like it. Yeah. <clears throat> Parents were like, but it's, you know, you're in university. You got to like, no, not for me. <laughs> I said, okay, come back home. So I go home. At the time, I was thinking about, you know what? Back when I was 17, I really wanted to be a medic. I, I really wanted to be a medic. Right. I wanted to pursue it, right? And I'm like, bro, I'm young. Let me do this, right? This is me thinking to myself. And then my parents, I told my parents what I want to do this, and they were like, no, are you out of your mind? That was wrong with you. Like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> right. Um, so a few months passed by. I, and then I went to Centennial College to do um, uh, some sort of engineering course. I forgot what it was called. Uh, biomedical uh, Technician Environmental Engineering. Uh, something like that. And then... This was, I, I used this, so I, I kind of did lie to my parents a little bit. 
And I told them, hey, I'm trying to, you know, trying to do this. Because this is something that I did in co-op during high school. Um, I was also working at the hospital for, for, this, uh, for this thing. Right, right. And uh, what ended up happening is I, I kind of just, like, used this opportunity to give time to the military to accept them. Because, like, military applications take so freaking long, dude. They take, like, eight months to, like, maximum, like, two, three years. Sometimes even longer. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Is that why they ask people to uh, sign up when they're younger? Uh, well, that too, right? Um, yeah. Because for different positions, especially if you're going for infantry, they want young. Uh, they do want younger people, but like, I mean, they'll, they'll take what they get, right? Um, the, there's something that uh, everyone's always said, or at least hires always said, and it's something like... Um, what you see in the military is like what you see averagely in the Canadian population. Yeah, right. You know, it's just like a direct mirror that I'm like, okay, I mean, I don't see a lot of diversity here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were they were trying to get there, um, but I don't know. Like, you can't force people that are coming to this country to join the military, right? So, no, we're not that kind of government. No, yeah. Um, so anyway, so, oh man, I sidetracked a lot here. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is great. This is actually really, cause like the more, the more sidetracked there are, like, it's kind of like more details to the story yeah. and adds layers I find. So it's good. Okay. So, uh, as I said, so I was like using this to like get military time, whatever. And then I did my CFAT, which is the Canadian forces after test. Um, I was actually trained for that. I used, uh, I was on luminosity actually. Uh, so oh wow! Com. Yeah, so I had like a fourteen dollar per month subscription, <laughs> and I, I was doing like the puzzles and all those math questions and all those like English questions, like problem solving and stuff. And like you know, what to test me on this, but like because I had no idea what was on the seat that. Right. Okay. All I knew was that there was some like spatial thinking, and I knew luminosity had spatial thinking like exercise. I'm like perfect. This is this is for me. And All right, and so today's sponsor for this episode. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I guess I ace my test. Um, something for medics, by the way, you need to do like 90% plus is spatial thinking uh, in the Apple test. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah, it's it, it, like, uh, yeah, you need to know your spatial awareness. Like, that, that's, that's key for medics, apparently. That, well, that's what the recruiter told me, but then again, he could have just, he could have been BSing me. I don't know. But he's like, good job. Yeah, we want you. I'm like, okay. I don't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. I'm like, did I get in? Did I get in? Did I get in? Yeah. And I'm like, cool. So the day I wrote my CFAT, they're like, okay, good job. And then I did my interview with uh, the captain. Well, he's a major now, but he was a captain back then. Um. And he asked me like a lot of like questions. Um, how do I handle stress? How do I do I get along with people? Do I have difficulties with like people of color, people of different races? I'm like, nah, dude. I'm I'm like a normal person. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. Here you go. Well, you're gonna call him. Could you could you imagine if like <laughs> you gave the wrong answers? We're like, no, we're looking for people who actually have these. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you offering, bro? Like, 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, you think you did well in your interview? I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Um, and then I, uh, I waited for a few weeks to months. Uh, and then I got in March, finally. March uh, 2013. Yeah. It was March 6, 2013. Okay, um, cool. I got the call. Uh, they're like, hey, come on in. Oh, sorry. March 6 is when I swore in. And then three oh, days later, okay. yeah, and then three days later, uh, I went over to uh, Saint Charles de Pachelu. It's it's a training camp um, in, uh, in uh, for, uh, for our military for the female military. Uh, so we went there. Um, had some good times there. It's like a thirteen week course. Well, now I don't know what it is because that like that was like what was it now seven years ago ish. Yeah. Um, fun times to be honest. Like, I was stressed to the max, bro. Like, back when I thought I was stressed in like regular civilian life, you get stressed to the max over there, like never before. I, I don't know if they're allowed to do that anymore because I'm. I keep hearing some things about hurt feelings and stuff like that. So I have no idea what, what they're doing now. But um, okay. but but back then it was like. They like they weren't allowed to like slap us or hit us or anything, but they were allowed to like push us to the max. Um, oh, like completely to the edge. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, what do you expect, right? Um, so, was it like those typical drill sergeant experiences where they're like they were like yelling at you in your face? Uh, at times, yes, but most of the time, um, okay. So in my platoon and basic training, we had three different sections because we had a total of, sorry, we first started with around 50 to 60 people. And then I think we finished with around 35 people. Um, my platoon was the platoon that lost the most amount of people. Um, and this is, a, this is the platoon to be like a medic, medic route. Um, okay. So, uh, so each okay, so each week there's around two to three courses that run or that that start. Right. Um, okay. Each uh, and there's usually like two or three or maybe even four platoons. I'm not sure, but for me there were three platoons. Um, there was one francophone platoon and there was two English platoons. Um, and uh, <clears throat> in each platoon, there's always like it, it's a mixed breed. Um, it's like you have uh, some avionics technicians. Uh, you have like infantry guys, you have medics, you have vehicle technicians, you have like cooks, you have like from like wherever. And, and these guys are just like trying to get it. So like, we're just like a mixed bunch all together. Gotcha. Now there are at times where recruiters try to recruit like infantry guys into, into like one platoon. Um, and whenever all these like infantry guys go into like one platoon and that platoon becomes like, uh, help platoon essentially they get, they get treated like more like dirt and they get pushed to the max even more um just because um that platoon is full of infantry guys so they should be able to handle it right because like um, yeah the logic is a vehicle tech is going to be using a wrench and like a sword or whatever it is right and like an infantry guy is literally going to be fighting so yeah yeah so they tried to group it in, but obviously, like, in my platoon, there's, like, uh, I think three or four infantry people. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so we were, we, we were mixed grade. 
And the platoons that are um, running at the same time, like the, the start of that week, uh, the different platoons that like we barely even talk with, like actually never talk with them, um, they are called sister platoons. Okay. And uh, these three platoons compete for the common up, so like at the very end. So whoever got more points during like PTs or uh, like PT tests, uh, whoever got more points in their tests, whoever did better overall, they gather all those points, and then whoever wins wins, right? That was like like the so it's like Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of wands, they use guns. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent, dude. <laughs> oh man! Right. All right, so so uh, pretty much from like week one to week five is like indoctrination period, and man. That was that was very hard for me because that's like transitioning from civilian life to military life. That's that was the hardest phase for me in the army. Um, by week one and a half to two weeks, I had already signed a voluntary release form, and I gave it to my PO. The PO is like a petty officer. It's like a um, it's a sergeant in the rank essentially. Mm. Uh, and I gave it to him. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's not for me. And, and then he's like, bro, come sit down over here. Because, like, at the time, we were, like, practicing doing inspections or whatever. Um, so they weren't going too hard on us. And then he, he got real with me. So he sat me in the corner of a room, whatever. Um, it, we have, like, a common room. So in each block, we have a common room. Essentially, like, a room with, like, seats. You know, to talk with that night with your platoon mates or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. And he sat down with me. And then, and then he got he got real with me. He's like, uh, they call me Demi, uh, by the way. Because um, my last name was like way too long. So there's a Right. He's yeah. like, hey, Demi, listen, like, we may. It's, it's only in basic training where we act like animals over here, but in the real world, we're not animals. You may be doing maybe inspections like maybe once a week, maybe not even that. Like this is nothing. Once you once you pass through here, essentially life just gets easier from here. And I'm like, that actually made me feel so comfortable. Like that one talk made me yeah. feel so comfortable. I'm like, all right, you know what? That gave me all the boost that I need. And I'm like, okay, you know what, Theo? Just like get rid of that VR. And he's like, just like that. I'm like, yeah. Because I felt like broken down, man. You know what I mean? I felt so broken yeah. down. And just with that one talk, just like lifted my spirits up. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay. cancel that VR. Cancel that VR right now. Okay, cool. Uh, so that happens. And then after two weeks, that PO went on leave. Because it was coming to like the April time period, and by that point, you have to finish like all your leaves. You can't have any more leave left over for the next uh, fiscal year. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then again, um, I felt down again. You know, because here I am, still like half a civilian, half <laughs> military. Right. I'm like, yeah. I feel like I feel, feel like crap again. Whatever. I'm like I was my parents. And then I signed the air again. I gave it to a different instructor this time. And then two days after that, I'm like, you know what? Cancel it. 
on it. And then um, I think a few days after that, um, the warrant talked with me. And the warrant sat me down. He's like, listen, man, you signed a VR twice and you canceled it twice. You're making my... Um, he's like, you're making my master receiving your PO run around. Just tell me straight up. Do you want to leave or do you want to stay? I'm like, oh, I want to stay. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, Warren. He's like, all right. And then he's like, I won't even sign your leave. <laughs> I wouldn't I would even sign your VR, by the way. Freaking get upstairs or go back to your platoon mates and do what you're doing before. I'm like, yes, Warren. So I stood up and I just went back to my class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like one of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, so that I think that was like around like week five or six. Um, after week five, we get to go and like, go to the civilian world and like um, only for the weekend uh, we get to go off the base finally right mm-hmm. yeah um, we were given privileges because they can easily take these privileges away then and uh, I went to the hotel um, near nearby the base and I just slept I did I just slept <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because I'm, I'm assuming that you have to, you know, <laughs> go to sleep late, wake up early, and then have a full day of yeah, just oh, whatever. Hundred yeah. percent. I, I literally just slept. Like, like I slept in like, like uh, a lot, and I watched TV, and I think I because I think there was a like Boston pizza there or whatever. I ate a Boston pizza. Um, there was like a lot of fast food. Like, I don't remember what, what there was. There was there were some fast food places there. Ate from there, picked myself out, and then um, on Sunday, I think it was around like three or four. One of the time cutoff time is we have to be back on base by then, and then back on base another week, right? Um, whatever field week came. Um, which was week nine for me. Um, we got treated like dirt again, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so pretty much what happens is like we're in a shack. So we're not like in the field field, well, like kind of in the field. Um, it's just called like hard shacks, I guess, or soft shacks. I, I don't know what the term was. So we're just sitting there and um, at night times is when we have to do like post watch or whatever. Um, like it's kind of like guard duty um, uh, or, or sentry or whatever. And there were, uh, and we're always have to be in fire teams. So it's like always me and another guy or it's someone else, someone else. And there was, and there would be, and because there, we had three sections, there had to be one fire team from each section had to, um, do something, right? Yeah. Uh, so there was guys up top where they had a window. They could see when the sergeant was coming over to our uh, hard shacks in order to, like, you know, teach us a lesson. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, wake, wake the F up, do this and that. I'm like, here we go again. Um, and whenever the sergeant or whoever it was that was coming to our shacks, uh, they would always drill us in two minutes. They have to wake up, put our full fighting order on, which is um, our tack vest and having a rifle or helmet 
and Hassan should be ready to fight. And wow, have, in two minutes. Yeah, so we're giving, we're giving two minutes. At first, I'm like, bro, this is not enough time. What the heck? <laughs> um, and then slowly, slowly, that two minutes becomes like, we would do it in 45 seconds. Well, not 45 seconds, like a minute and a half, a minute, you know, somewhere around there, right? Yeah. Um, just because when it comes to that point, you don't care about comfort anymore. You just get your stuff and run outside. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like what we had to go through because if you are putting on your uniform and your, uh, then your jacket, cause it was cold outside and then your cactus, your helmet, grab your rifle, put your boots on. That would take you a very long time. By that time, if, if an enemy was attacking your base, you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. You'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. So, pretty much what I, uh, sorry, what we did was um, we had a plan going on. Every time uh, all the watch would see, well, the guys up top, they would see um, a sergeant or whatever coming in. Uh, we would tell they would tell the guys downstairs, "Hey, get ready," you know. So we would prepare ahead of time. We would like wake up everyone. It's like, "Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up!" And then, uh, and and that would happen every hour, bro. Every hour in the night, we would get woken up. Oh wow! Like, so you wouldn't even get a proper proper sleep. No, nothing. Not at all. Only one night we slept properly, and that was the night before we go to the range. We slept. Oh, like, of course. I slept like a baby that night because obviously, like you're not getting enough sleep or whatever. But you know, whatever. By the way, that base, uh, uh, the, the base I went to the field in, that was called Farnham. That base has a really right. nice kitchen. Really nice food, man. Oh, so, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I would, I don't plan on joining, but, uh, thanks, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the heads up. Yeah. Yeah. They had, uh, I think they had, uh, it was mostly civilian chefs and man, the food was really good. Do they, uh, do they cook vegan? Um, they had, they had vegetarian options available. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely not joining. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you wanted to go vegan, I guess you could get like you know fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. But. Like that doesn't really sustain you. You need like whole grains, beans, other things. Well, they had beans. They, oh, they, they, perfect. They had beans, especially in the mornings. You can get okay, eggs, yeah. beans, you know, home fries. I don't. Yeah, I don't do eggs, but yeah, home fries, perfect. I love potatoes. I love the starch. You know. Oh, oh man, those are good. And and they're like uh, they put like different like ty- types of uh, salts and all that. Oh, so good. So, like, with, with the chefs they had, too, they would, they would have, like, chefs from kind of, like, all over the world or just mostly Canadian chefs and all that? Um, they, or Canadian they, chefs uh, that knew, like, cuisines from different parts of the world? Um, if it was uh, civilian chefs, it would be uh, chefs that they would get from, like, around the town. Or, like, whoever wants okay. to get there would work there kind of type thing. Right. Um, okay. I, I think it would be considered a government job, I think. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Probably, I guess. I mean, you are going to a military base. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And um, there always had to be a military chef as well. And the military chefs, um, they're actually pretty, like, once they get their QL5s, which is like a step up from their training, like their original training, 
um, they get some really nice experience. They, they, I think one of their tests is they have to pass through fine dining or something like that. Oh, I think also one of the tests too I've heard is they have to throw a grenade into a barbecue and see how well the meat cooks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay. Like what? Never heard of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you go through like oh, there's so many safety violations there, but <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> something from a cartoon, I bet. But uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Oh, no, jeez. Um. So anyway, so um. By the way, that that remind me of uh, you ever watched the, the Dictator? Yes, yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> it's like, show this cartoon. Was <laughs> uh, it a duck that when the bum blows up, his beak would go up to the back of his head, and in order to talk, he would have to burn. <laughs> so, so, yeah, someone started the phone with that. Okay, now I know you're watching cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I gotta watch that movie again because I watched uh, I watched Borat too a couple weeks ago. Well, Borat 2, it was, it was actually pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. like Borat 1 better, but... Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you um, were saying, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, the, the, like, the kitchens there were amazing. And uh, on week nine, so, I, uh, once I had, like, a good night's rest, we were at the range. And, bro, I've never fired a rifle before. I've never fired a gun before, period. Like, never. This is my very first time, like, walking, like, to the range because like once you get to the range then you have to pass through um you ah, so the range is kind of like 500 600 700 meters depending on what range you go to um and we have to walk all the way to the 200 mark um sorry to the 100 mark at first because we were doing our pwt one or two i forget which one right gotcha um, pwt just means like personal weapons training uh, so the personal weapons train test or personal weapons test or whatever. Um, so we, we, we go through that. And once I got to the range, like walking down in order to go to your, your, your station number, my heart was pumping. Like, I'm like, the hell I make myself into. <laughs> and like, I'm going to be firing a rifle. And my heart was pumping like... I never before, like my heart never pumped this hard before. I'm, I was so freaking stressed. I'm like, shit, what the hell's going on? You know? And, and before I would, I would play like games like Call of Duty or whatever, but like, uh, just before I was joining the army, I was playing a lot of, uh, Arma. And right, yeah. that game was like, you know, it's definitely not real life, but it's, it's, it's stimulating it kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I like bro, my heart was pumping like never before when I was walking down that range. Um because it, it was the first time, my first time shooting a rifle. Uh so once we got our ammo and everything, walking down the range, um I look I, t- I took a good look at my target. They're like, okay, everyone go prone. I'm like, okay, I'm like, go prone, we're laying down flat. And they're like load, okay, loading. And loading is just like, you know, you're just putting the, mag- the magazine into the weapon. You don't cock it yet or whatever. Okay, right. Gotcha. And then uh, the first command was ready 200 or ready 100. I forget what it is. And then we would cock the weapon, put it on safe, and make sure our sights were on like 200 meters. 
And then we, once we were given the order to fire, we need to put it on, you know, uh, semi-auto and just take however many shots they told us to take. And the, the, the first few shots is like, uh, you're essentially shooting five rounds the very first time to get, uh, to zero in your scope. Um, cause if you're shooting too far to the left then they have to do like, I forget if it's like two plus to the right or left or whatever. Um, I, I never had to zero it. Someone else, someone else like a master pro would always come and, you know, just like zero it in for me. There's like a digital pad thing and where we shoot at that, they would, uh, adjust it based off of that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so that all happened to the 100 meters, 200 meters. Long story short, I got third place in the platoon. <laughs> shooting. <laughs> nice. All that, all that training and Call of Duty paid off. <laughs> Did you ever quick scope? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, and for those for those who are listening, quick uh, quick scope is like um, it's like this sort of like technique that you play. Uh, you doing like the Call of Duty video games. Or like correct correct me if I'm wrong, but like you just sort of quickly look into your scope and then you fire at like a very far away distance. But that's usually done with like a sniper. So yeah, you just snipers do that. I think it's because uh, the Call of Duty um, the code is based off of. So if you're not zoomed in with your scope, the bullet can kind of go anywhere. I guess I'm thinking oh, okay. based on the code. But if you uh, zoom in, then the bullet has supposed to hit that target specifically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which. Um, hashtag real life can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, could you imagine? It's like a foreign country figures that out and they're like, damn it. <laughs> Other countries couldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that was actually so that's that was kind of like your first little experience in the military, like being doing all that. In oh, all. yeah, 100%, dude. That, that was like, well, that was my highlight shooting. Shooting my first time was like the best time I've ever had over there. Yeah, crazy. I can imagine. It was great. Once I was on basic training, um, I went to Borden, and in Borden I was in a um, a personal evading training plan. It's called Appleton, essentially, and we would just be waiting there for essentially what feels like a lifetime, a life sentence. <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, the very first time I was there, um, it actually wasn't bad. Um, it was when, uh, our chain of command, uh, started making us do inspections, uh, while we were waiting for training. Um, they were essentially treating us like, not like dirt, but like, it was just demoralizing, man. Like, if it feels like you're in jail at that point, like you're not doing anything. You know? Mm, okay. Yeah. All, all you're doing is you're just marching from one building to another and waiting. That's literally all we did. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it just felt like a license thing. Um, or, or I felt like a license. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, like, yeah. So I did that for about almost seven to eight months or something like that. Oh, that's a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's too much, man. Um, bro, imagine like tax theory dollars go to this stuff. <laughs> People, yeah, <laughs> I, I can see, I can see how that can be upsetting to, <laughs> to most. Um, 
I mean, it's it is kind of to me, especially like I'm not going to say this for anyone else, but to me, especially, like, I kind of find it weird how like as a tax paying citizen, I never have a choice on how my tax dollars are being spent. It's always like the government decides, and it's like sometimes I don't see a point in whatever the government decides on what to spend it on, especially yeah. with like the military budget. Sometimes <laughs> like it's just it, it it is a bit much, but like I understand, I, I understand why, but um. It'd be nice to have a say, you know, at least just some kind of a say where all that goes. But um, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's always that thing, right? I mean, technically, you do have kind of a choice, but it's like, yeah, as you said, it's barely even a choice, man. Barely even a freaking choice. Yeah. So then that was your beginning experience. And like, was that also part of the middle experience? If not, what was the middle experience like? And then what was that yeah, compared so, to like the end? So while I was still in Borden, um, I went there for eight months. Then you do training, then you come back to Borden, do your field training for you know for medical stuff. That overall took the training itself takes about a year. Like imagine. <clears throat> but by that time we we're doing like a very accelerated course while we were in Moncton. Because we have to go to a civilian school to get trained in paramedicine. And normally in Ontario, you get trained for two years. Um, and that includes, like, I think on truck time and like your learns, you know, um, didactic and practical portion. And we were only given about six months to complete it. That's including the uh, practical portion as well. So imagine, oh, wow. Yeah. So imagine you're learning a two year course in 10 weeks, essentially. And uh, then you're doing the practical portion for another three months, and then or, or two and a half to three months or whatever, and then that's it. Yeah, that's um, that's very crammed. Yeah. Yeah. So so get this. My my very first time doing that doing that course, I failed it. Uh, I failed the practical portion, um, and then I had to go back to Borden, and then they're like, "Listen, we don't give up on our people. Um, we want you to try again." But you have to restart your training from scratch because we're training up the course. I'm like, you know what? I'll take it, whatever. And good thing I did because I was able to finish that one year worth of training. Um, and then after that, I got put into Petawawa. Mm -hmm. Once I was in Petawawa, it was like, I'm actually treated like a normal human being for once, you know? <laughs> right. um, and then. Uh, there was a lot of field, uh, field exercises that we were doing. Uh, there was a lot of, um, a lot of BS from here to there, but it was like work BS. It wasn't like personal stuff or anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I tolerated it and it was pretty good. And then I got sent to my five. So I went back to board after a few years, got my quals. We did see grad training for like almost a year before I did that. And then. I got out essentially. So that was like six years for me. Wow, that's that's a really long time to be dedicated to that. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? But um, I gained a lot of knowledge out of it. Um, a lot of knowledge that and a lot of experience that a lot of people don't have. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure with that much intensity of just training and just all the knowledge and all the reading and all the active engagement, like it puts you leagues 
not just leagues, but years ahead of, you know, not just people in your generation, but people years below as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if I call it an, um, uh, I got to do what some had, because I, I don't think people think about it as a privilege. I think because I think people kind of think it as, you know, uh, it's like a pain in the ass type thing to do, but uh, hey, I was young. I found an opportunity. I wanted to do it, and then I did it. I got experience out of it, but it's not for everyone, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I can, I, I can definitely see why or, or see how, because I don't think I would be able to survive any of that. Like, hey, not at all. If you think like that, no. No, definitely for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, no, I can do it. Because remember, back when I said, I don't think you do this, that's when you start to break down. It's all that mental stuff. Anyone? Yeah. Um, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Uh, you just have to put your mind Oh, yeah. And uh, by the way, the, the re- part, partially the reason why I kind of VR'd the very first time was because in my section, um, which is like about 10 people, there already was like two or three people that left in like the very first like few weeks. And then that just, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a virus, man. It just kind of like goes to people, it spreads. You know, it's very toxic. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. they got to go home. Why can't I go home? Mm-hmm. You know? But then again, you got to think down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like my grandfather kind of says, he says the same thing because he was, um, he was a part of the army, but he, was part of the Zimbabwean army. So he was, wow. he moved to, he moved, he moved to Zimbabwe when he was like really young from India, I believe. And, and he sort of was like raised there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he kind of like, he joined the Zimbabwean army and my mom used to tell us like a bunch of like stories and stuff about like how, like sometimes he'd come home from duty and like, he'd be like completely covered in like dirt and stuff, like just from head to toe, all his gear, just muddy and just like, yeah. So. He used to he used to say say a lot of all sort of a lot of the same things like if if you're mentally strong like you not only can you thrive in like at like life in general but like especially in the military so hundred percent dude hundred percent yeah so so then like what are your thoughts about it now like now that now like looking back like all the hindsight stuff like um. <clears throat> Anything that you're grateful for, anything that you kind of wish could have gone better, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to be honest, when I when I first applied, uh, I thought I would be going to Afghanistan. I could, you know, I don't know any better, right? Yeah, uh, I'd be going to Afghanistan, going, you know, fighting wars and stuff like that. Like that's kind of why I joined in the first place. And then now thinking back to it. I don't know. I, I had a good time. I had experience. I aimed on knowledge out of it, but I never really got deployed to those places. I never got deployed pretty much. So, sorry. I, I couldn't myself. The only quote unquote deployment, if you call it that, uh, was uh, Operation Elements. Uh, it was in, I believe, 2017, around June ish time. It was when um, Canada was getting a lot of. Uh, uh, asylum seekers uh, coming to Canada. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were preparing camps for them. That was literally 
I invited my only quote unquote deployment. <laughs> right. So, and for those who are listening in the asylum seeker, um, think, think of someone like Julian Assange or like Edward Snowden, someone who, in, in their cases, they kind of were like whistleblowers for the American government or for the CIA. And um, I'm not going to explain too much. I mean, you can obviously uh, just Google their names and figure out what they've done. And those are examples of like asylum seekers. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. It is what it is, man. That 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 was my experience. Obviously, it's not like what everyone goes through. Um, some people uh, get deployed elsewhere, or if they want to get deployed, they ask for it. And but in cases of medics, we weren't allowed to be deployed until we were a QL five. And unfortunately, I got my QL five at the very end of my uh, six year career. So. Mm. Okay, well, so then all that sort of led you to where you are now. So now you're back in school. Yeah. Uh, doing what again? Sorry, remind me. Uh, so currently I'm in med school right now. I'm in my fourth semester. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so you're finally sort of achieving your dream of becoming a medic. Yeah, essentially becoming a doctor, essentially. So, um, I mean, school's right now really difficult, uh, to be honest. I can imagine. There's a lot of learning to do. There's a lot of presentations because we're doing everything online now. So uh, we have to do um, online recording presentations uh, for... Is it? Uh, do you find it a little bit easier, though, doing those presentations now that you're sort of uh, in the comfort of your own, of your own yeah, home as opposed yeah. to like... Yeah, oh, yeah. I can imagine because I remember also just a quick side note. Sorry to cut you off. Just like doing like presentations in school and sometimes I'd like literally like be riddled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like just cause I'm like, it's such a big, such a big classroom. Like, like I'm, am I, is my voice going to project, you know, how many people are going to be staring at me? You know, it's just like it's too much. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little secret here. So whenever you're thinking about, whenever you think about it that way, uh, you'll always be, you know, I guess you'll always be nervous. Yeah. You'll just be pissing yourself, you know. Um, <clears throat> the way how I got around to is uh, so, again, I'm going to go back to basic training because that thing taught me about like life a lot at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. You, okay, because like currently you don't live with any other people, right? You, I'm assuming you live with family members or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, Whenever you see how the body beside you wakes up in the morning, brushes his teeth, shaves, or whatever, that's essentially what everyone else does in the world, right? The guy beside you literally puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. The guy has family problems, just like you do. So mm. what I'm trying to say is, Think about these people as your peers, the people that you're presenting to. They're not like you're not presenting it to like God or anyone else. You know what I mean? Like you're just presenting it to like regular people. You're presenting it to your classmates. Like there's no need to be nervous because at, at the same time, those people are going to be nervous as well. So there's no reason to be nervous at all. You know what I mean? It, like it, yeah, you know, uh, kind of like another version of you, kind of. But yeah, essentially, right? Yeah, because. Um, like everyone's a human being. Right? Everyone puts, like, everyone wears their shirt the same way. Everyone, maybe not the same way. Maybe someone might put their left arms or their right arm first. I don't know. Whatever. I wear mine backwards sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's actually very good advice, man. Like, I I can see how, yeah, I can see how like being a part of the like military has taught you like a lot. You know, yeah. not just you specifically, but like it can teach people in general a lot if they so choose to like go down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing um, to help anyone who's like struggling with. I don't know, anxiety or whatever. Um, there was a point when I was in Patagala, uh, and two uh, new people came, like like two new medics came to uh, my uh, my company. Um, at, at, at that time, I was in uh, uh, Amcoy, so ambulance company, whatever. Okay. And two new people came. Uh, the second day of their or second week, I can't remember, um, whenever they arrived, we had uh, an O group. An O group is like the captain's talking or everyone else is listening, writing notes. Um, so it's essentially like a big meeting about um, the work that we will be doing for the next amount of time, whatever that would be, right? Okay, yeah. And our captain is literally just like listing off everything. I was like writing down whatever. On this day, we're doing this. This day, we're doing this. This day, we're going to the field for two weeks. We're doing this and this and this and this. And like, it's just like for like one and a half hours, he's like just giving us orders. And then uh, whenever everyone else kind of like put the table is like writing notes down, whatever. And then these two newcomers, they were just like, one of them was like sitting. Like she was worried about like her life, like and that. Like that's what it looked like to me. And the other guy looked kind of worried as well. No, no, no. I don't know. There's like he wasn't happy. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So I looked at them. I'm like, what's wrong? And then she's like, there's so much to do. Like that. I, I, like, what do I do? I'm like, listen, man, like, this is honestly like what we're going to be doing for like the next few months, like whatever, like times or whatever, because she also had kids. She had a husband, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I didn't told her, like, listen, so the next event is we're going to be going to the field for like, I don't know, one day or two days, whatever, whatever it was. I can't remember. And I'm like, all you have to do is just make sure your gear is ready for that, like the day before. And that, like, like that's it. Don't worry about what's happening in two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Don't worry about that right now. All right. right yep. Everything changes. A lot of things change as time goes on. Because as we know, yep. whenever uh, we, we have a saying, and I'm that. I don't want to be swearing here for a little bit. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your... Yeah, that's fine. You're totally allowed to. Like, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> so, so what I was saying is, you know, if she hits the fan, we'll, we'll deal with it, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and this is something I, I told her. And, and I, was, I also told her, I'm like, listen, tonight, like tomorrow, we're not doing anything. We're just coming back to work. So tonight, go, go back to your family, cook some food, relax, sleep, wake up in the morning, do PT. And worry about it then. And then she did. You just tell a woman to go to the kitchen. I'm kidding. No, I'm like, I'm like, listen, man, just, just stay with your family, essentially. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Like, like, what do you I'm think? Kidding, I, yeah. I go home. Yeah, 
cook food as well. Like everyone does the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you just need like you just need to. I don't know. Like for me, cooking is like it's nice, bro. It's like I'm gonna yeah. eat this tasty food later. There's so much reward, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've actually gotten into quite a bit of cooking, uh, more so this year because, yeah. like, obviously we had no choice. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely rewarding. Bro, like, I can definitely like, tell you that. My cooking skills weren't the best. I'm like chicken fingers and fries, you know what I mean? <laughs> or like eggs and omelets or whatever. Yeah. They're all yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely perfected my my pasta. Like my pasta, <laughs> chef's kiss, man. Like, one hundred percent, dude. Oh man. Um. So yeah, I literally told him, man. Like, listen, like, go. Home. Um. I don't know. Talk with your family. Watch some TV. Relax, and then tomorrow you're coming back to you're going to come back here. The only thing that you need to worry about is the day before that you're going. And for that, all you need to do is literally just pack a few clothes and then head out the door. You don't need to like worry about too many things. And then she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. And ever since then, she was like, she, her, her mental attitude was like super good. Yeah. And as, as long as you know how to deal with things through time, because if you deal with everything at the same time, you're not going to have a good day. You, yeah, not day. you can take it day by yeah. day, do one thing after another thing day by day, take it slowly, and, and it's golden. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, there were days where like everything happens in one day. Those are like stressful days, man. I'm telling you, those were stressful days. And um, they happen, you go through it, whatever. But again, it's just that mental attitude, right? Like, like the way I look at it is, okay, so the, okay, so the way I thought about it in basic training and the way I'm getting, I, I learned how to think about it was these instructors are yelling at us because they have to, not because they want to, but because they have to. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and whenever we screw up, it's because they found a tiny defect, right? And they have, they have to punish us for it, right? It's because they have to. They're, they're, they're drill instructors. They, they kind of have to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we're like, this isn't personal, whatever. I'm just going to do what I'm told. And essentially, there's this thing it's called just play the game. Then you got to play the game, bro. That's how I'm going to do. Again, you take it one step at a time, you're good to go. Um, yeah, speaking of games, actually, I actually did hear this sort of really... It's, it's like a piece of advice that kind of aligns with what you said. Um, yeah, recently I've just been watching, um, this other, uh, YouTube gamer play like the new Spider-Man game mm -hmm. on the PS5. And actually there's, there's a really, so in the game, like while you're swinging around as Spider-Man, um, <laughs> like he somehow is able to listen to podcasts, which is weird. What? <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, like he can hear, he can hear like the radio and stuff. And, like you can switch to different channels as you're swinging around New York. Anyway, there's, there's one little brief little thing in one of the podcasts that he was listening to and the person in that podcast just said um if you're trying to change a habit you know whatever it is stick to only changing one habit per month otherwise yeah. it gets too overwhelming exactly so, yeah exactly it, it, yeah. it takes about 30 days to change one habit it yeah that's what the average is yeah um so let's say 
uh, you're trying to set a new goal, trying to set a new goal of waking up at nine in the morning every single day. Then yeah. you got to you got to force yourself to wake up, and then you'll be able to wake up at nine a.m. or nine thirty, whatever, just by yourself. Your body will adapt to it. Um, yeah, you'll learn how to deal with it. Easy days, right? That's pretty much about it. That's <laughs> so I gotta do that. Yeah, it's a thirty day thing. It's it's, it's a proven thing. I heard also like the 90 day thing is also proven too. Like if you like it really like 30 days is where like you notice it. Um, or I think it it gets more like ingrained in you. And then 60 days is when like everyone else notices it, I think. And then 90 days is when it's all, when it all sort of like meshes together. Yeah. I mean, uh, the more that you keep up, um, uh, I don't know what it's called. The more that you keep up a way of life, the more that you're you're going to be accustomed to it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, your body adapts, and your body doesn't like change too much. So, you know, and, and yeah, we, we as human beings don't like change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that have happened. Again, like I said, like you and I both said at, at the um, earlier mark of this episode, where like, yeah, a lot of things have like happened this year, and like somehow as humans we've adapted mm-hmm. so i mean that that's actually the, the really cool thing about being human is no matter what happens or what's thrown at you like it can always sort of somehow either overcome it singularly or collectively yeah that's all i do man you just gotta keep it up and that's it speaking of uh keeping things up um for those who are also listening too um rob is also a musician so that is probably something that some of you probably never heard about or ever really would have guessed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the first time I met, I met Rob was, um, what was it like two months ago? End of August. Yeah. I think it was end of August. We met at my yeah. house, I think. Yeah. yeah. So Rob's cousin, for those who are listening, is Arad. And for those who obviously are listening, who are mostly coworkers or whatever, um, Arad is my coworker at H and M, and um, and then obviously like one day like, like like at the end of August he's like, "Yo man, like you want to come over? I got my drum set all set up because he recently bought like a new drum set or whatever." Yeah. And um, my cousin's over and like he wants to jam and stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, uh, I'm down because I <laughs> I haven't I haven't I haven't jammed with uh, anyone in a really long time." So I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's see let's see let's see what this is all about. And <laughs> oh man, dude, like I was I was uh, oh, I was blown away by like his skill on like the guitar and like everything that he could do. And it's just like, yo, like I haven't jammed with a guitar player this good, probably never, or probably in like a very long time. But like it was <laughs> it was very it was very refreshing to like get back into that. Um, <laughs> get back into that sort of zone where like you play with someone who's like really good and they're sort of like leagues ahead of you to some degree. And then you have to try and like match that. And by trying to match that as a drummer, I find you sort of, I guess become like you better, like you sort of move up the ladder in a way. Um, I don't know if that's the correct analogy, but um, think about it as Darth Vader just holding up. He's lifting you up to success. That yes, for, <laughs> a forest joke. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Like you're pretty good in drumming, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that you're bad at all. Like you're, you're. If anything, you're like one of the best drummers that I play with. Like, oh shit! Thanks. <laughs> you're really good. I mean, thanks. I mean, I, I really don't try to like come off as a type or because I've honestly like I've met a bunch of like cocky drummers, and I'm like, that's not the way to go, man. Like, just like this is not the like, way. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's, it's really not. It's, but um, so yeah, for those who are listening, yeah, Rob is a uh, guitar player, and um, if you want to just like briefly also explain how that started, and uh, sure. like I, I like I want to like close out the show in just a little bit, but like I know like it's kind of unfair to like say that, but um, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So you stuck to it for a while, and obviously you got good at it, but you know. Yeah, I how did that all start, and where was the middle, and where are you at now? Uh, I started when I was in about grade eleven, so I I started late, I guess. Um, I mean, I got my drums in grade eleven, but I didn't really start until like grade six. But I got more into it at around that time. So yeah, yeah. Um, so what happened is I had a friend uh, like like the, the, down the street, and he actually introduced me to metal music first. Uh, I think this is back in like 2000 or whatever. Yeah, this is back when I was in like grade eight. Mm-hmm. Um, he introduced me to metal music, to like you know the classic Slipknot, the classic Slayer, like all all the Pantera, you know. Right, right. And then I just kept on listening to it because, like, back then I barely listened to music at all. Like, I didn't have a favorite artist, no club rap, nothing. Right. I was just literally maybe like gaming on my N64, like GameCube at the time. That was literally always doing. Uh, I was <laughs> nice. Okay. Really, really good in uh, melee. I was really. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like just like demolish everyone. I think I only ever lost to one person. Uh, like one person in a competition, and that was about it. Sorry. Uh, quick side note: Who was your main character that you would use in melee? Ganondorf. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's an actual like. Oh yeah. He's a little over too powerful, but I can yeah. see why. In melee, he was he was super strong, but he was super slow as well. As long as you knew how to use him, you're golden. Right, you, right. You're, okay. you're just, you're just you're golden. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But obviously, if you deal, uh, I guess, fight like some like fox or whatever, then you're just gonna you know kind of end up losing them. Less like once you make a mistake, you're done. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the guy's just too fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I started uh, listening to metal music, my friend, and then by grade tenish, grade nineish, he was able to get guitar. Um, and then I think he was playing it for about like a year or something. And then you know he was playing a few notes here and there. He was showing me he was playing some stuff from Slipknot or whatever. But, but it's like it's like a guitar like just started, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, it's pretty cool. This is nice, you know, you just like listen to your friend play, you know, a few things here and there. And I'm like, Dad, I want a guitar. He's like, what? I want a guitar. Because back when I was younger, like five years old, I was playing piano. And then right, yeah. uh, I was playing piano for like maybe two, three years. And then uh, I, I told my mom, I'm like, I don't play piano anymore. She said, <laughs> why? You're, you're good. I'm like, nah, I don't play anymore. She's like, okay. Okay. Because <laughs> um, like, bro, like I'm playing... Like I didn't understand what music was back then. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm just a little kid. You, you never really had like an appreciation for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little kid. I'm five years old. What do you want from me? You, you just want to go outside <laughs> and play, right? Or play video games. 
I just yeah. want to have fun. This is really all I want to do, right? Um, yeah. So essentially, uh, I, I guess knowing my, I never lost my uh, my like uh, my my rhythm. Never, never lost it. Right. Yeah. I, I always, uh, you know, I you know I always kept, kept on the beat. You know, whatever the beat was, I I, I just kept on it. Never ever that skill, and then. Uh, once I told my dad, I'm like, listen, dad, I want a guitar. And then you know how I have to like beg for something for like two or three months until you get it. Uh, well, for me, I have to beg for years. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. So my dad buys me a starter pack. Um, it, it like it, in a box. So, so he went to Costco music store. He 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 went to a box. He went there, he got, he, he actually called me on the cell phone. He's like, son, do you really want this? I'm looking at guitar right now. Do you want it? I'm like, yes, and I want it. He's like, okay. So he, he buys me a starter pack. And the starter pack comes with like a little tiny, like 15 watt app or whatever. Yeah. Um, it comes with like a guitar case, a guitar, and like a few cables here and there, right? And like some guitar strings, like changers, strings, or whatever. And okay. I start like doing whatever I'm doing. And then I got some sort of like my dad's friend was teaching music for whatever reason. Um, I mean, the, the guy was like working with my dad is like a doing jewelry stuff, I guess. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what he was doing beside my father, not at work, but anyways, I'm just assuming it was really, uh, and then for some reason, this guy can play saxophone, piano, guitar, like just, just everything. Everything's from this guy would play. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he taught me like, you know, uh, a few notes. He taught me the Dorami Festival C, whatever, on, on the guitar. I think I kind of forgot that. Um, I, I don't remember how to do Dorami Festival I just know that it sounds good now. I, I don't think about the Dorami Festival I just know that, oh, this sounds good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a, this key and this is the scale on the scale. I'm like, okay, this is what I do. And yeah. the guitar is easy, which in a way that if you move up the scale, um, every other note just goes out with it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just use like like the cage technique and just move it up and down. Anyways, um, <laughs> and then when I was uh, so he he buy my father buys that guitar, uh, the guitar set. I play it, get it the instructor, and then I'm like, Dad, I I, I really want to learn how to play. You know what I mean? So I guess he noticed that I was like, uh, I, I was downloading all these tabs off of. Um, uh, ultimateguitar.com. Yeah, I remember that website. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was down tabs and everything, but like, I didn't know how to play tabs. I had an idea of playing tabs, but like, um, for me, I didn't really uh, YouTube stuff back then because uh, YouTube was like not that great back then, I guess. No, this is uh, what, 2008? 2000 oh, this is long time ago, man. Like, probably 2006. Maybe. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure about the years, man. This is like a long. Yeah. This is when I was in grade like eleven when I was sixteen. So, oof. so when you were in grade eleven, I was in grade seven. So this is two thousand and seven. Yeah, man, this was a long time ago. Uh, quick math here. Oh no, I was in grade eight. So two thousand seven, two thousand eight ish. Yeah. Yeah. So around around then, yeah. You're born, you're born in nineteen ninety one, right? Uh, yeah, my yeah. So yeah, so you're the same age as my brother. So yeah, when he was in grade eleven, I was in grade eight. Yeah, yeah. 
So like 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 between two thousand four to two thousand six, like around that area ish. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess YouTube wasn't that like 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 now. Like literally, you want to find no. anything on YouTube, you can find it. Well, yeah, back, back then, then it was, like, was very primitive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like sixteen years ago, anyways. Um, so, um, we ended up hiring a guitarist from Cosmos. I would go and take private lessons in Cosmos. It was like uh, I think it was half an hour to an hour, or whatever. I would get double sessions for like an hour, and then I literally asked him, "Like, listen, man, I'm looking at these tabs, and I don't know if I'm doing it right." Um, cause like the, the, the numbers on the lower end of the, uh, end of the string, uh, is for, um, I think is for low strings. I believe then, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the tabs, the numbers on, on the upper strings is like for, for, for higher notes. I, I, I kind of forget now. Hold on. Oh. I think I remember. I think I think it's the. It could be the other way around too. Yeah, but I mean, either either way, you got to just like it, it would have the the note of the string sometimes. Yeah, it does. Hold on, yeah. just like hold on, let me just quickly make sure, man. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, for those who are listening, uh, Rob's gotten to that point where like he doesn't really need tabs anymore. Like he just he just goes. Like he just comes up with these like insane riffs and. Um, I mean, there, there's a small little clip I posted on, on my Instagram page where like I was sort of drumming to one of the tracks that he sent me and we're sort of trying to like make some more music and stuff and it's pretty cool. So like, I'll definitely like, you know, try and link that again, but sorry, you were saying Rob? Yeah. So essentially, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Oh boy. That's uh, not good. One second. Let me just find this one thing. Okay, version five. Angel of Death. Ah, here's yeah. So I, yeah. So I was correct. Uh, the, the the lower ones is for um for 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 the thicker strings, and then uh the, the top ones is for um uh for for the the thinner strings. So the higher strings, high yes, yeah. <laughs> and it goes as you know E A D G V E. Um, and then that's that's just how it goes, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both these in the end of the spectrum. Anyway, so um, so I just told me instructor, like, listen, man, how do I play tabs? He's like, this is how you do it. I'm like, okay. And then he showed me how to use like my fingers and everything. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. And ever since then, um, after that one lesson, I was just like going home and I'm like, just, 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 just like playing here, this and that, whatever. And I just got used to it. I would play for about like 40 minutes each and every day. Like, no joke, each and every day, 40 minutes I would play. Yeah, it's a lot of practice. Yeah, and and if I miss a day, I'm like I'm forgetting to do something. You know what I mean? <laughs> because after for so it became so habitual. Yeah, exactly. I'm like I'm forgetting to do something. I don't, I don't feel right. I'm like I'm playing guitar, right? So I play guitar, and then uh, I got good enough that I'm like that this beginning guitar is garbage. <laughs> yeah, most most beginner instruments they're not very good. No, I mean that's not how I told my dad. You know what I mean? Because like I'm, yeah. I, I was very respectful. I'm like, Dad, listen, the guitar isn't good anymore. I can't want a new guitar, um, so I can play better. You know, so I can play better. And legit, like the reason why um, that is is because back then um, the beginner guitars um, they're not tuned right. They're they're not, their intonation is so off. Everything's off. Yeah. Like, um, the, the strings are about like maybe, um, 
maybe just less than a centimeter away from the fretboard. And it's just, it's, it's too much. So like, you really need to like press down on the strings to actually play that note. <laughs> Whereas the guitars that I have now is like not even, it's like a few millimeters off the fretboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and then that, that's how you do like solos and all this like really, really fast stuff. Um, so I ended up getting my first Ibanez guitar. It was a black uh, six string that had a Floyd Rose. Uh, I think it had EMG pickups. Uh, passed it. it. It was beautiful, man. I played that for maybe the next like uh, until 2013. Uh, I played that instrument. So yeah. And then what do you have? What do you have now? Sorry. Um, right now, I, my baby is my Ibanez eight string. It's an S eight um, QM. I think, I think it's an SAQM, uh, it's red, uh, rose red and I upgraded the pickups. Um, it came with like the regular, like really, really shitty, um, uh, the eight string pickups and whenever, uh, so, so funny story about this one, I was actually looking for an, uh, for an, um, an S series eight string from Ibanez and they weren't selling it anymore for some reason. Um, uh, specifically this model and I found this off Kijiji I go all the way I drove about like three hours away from Toronto just to pick this guitar up and then Damn. I went to Borden for it <laughs> and then I went to Borden so like imagine it was like a five or six hour drive man um, just, just that one night I pick it up uh, it had um, it, I think on the bridge it had Oh, uh, what was it? it? It had some like um, aftermarket pickups on it. Um, and then on the bridge, sorry, on the uh, on the next side, there was like just like the regular ones. And then I, I, I didn't like the sound of it, bro. I did not like the sound of it at all. And I'm like, right, yeah. This is not how this guitar is supposed to sound like. So what I did is I got um, bare knuckle pickups. Um, I have uh, Warpig on the bridge, which just boosts the bass so good. It, it, it just boosts yeah. it, it. It's really nice. Basically, have a bass guitar. <laughs> at, at points, yes. Um, <laughs> and well, I mean, the my eight string, the very thick string, it has a dot one oh five on it, uh, which is pretty much a bass string, yes, but it's, it's just for guitars. Um, okay. Technically, it's it's for nine string guitars, and I just put the nine string on the eight string. And then my uh, my, my neck pickup is a uh, it, it's another very knuckle pickup um, pickup, but I uh, I forgot what the name of it was. I think it's called aftermath pickup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, aftermath very knuckle pickup aftermath uh, eight string on the next side. Uh, and the war pick has about uh, I think it's nineteen ohms. I think nineteen or twenty one ohms. I forget. And uh, whereas the regular pickups, like regular front pickups, is like nine ohms or seven ohms or something like that, so there's a huge difference. See, uh, as a drummer, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like smiling and nodding, like, uh huh, yep, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, essentially, um, it's just the resistance that goes through. Um, gotcha. so the resistance yeah. is just a lot more. I think ohms is resistance. 
Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure it is. <laughs> I feel like if someone had a Star Wars bingo sheet for this episode, they would they would get bingo because you've already mentioned Darth Vader and the Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh boy so like like where are you at now with like your music and stuff like just like doing stuff honestly like some days i'm just way too big to play um and some days if i'm really stressed out i just play just like loudest talking yeah that's that's me too man like there's something about like music and sometimes loudness we're like, it, it. It's a stress reliever, man. Like you just oh. get it out, and it just like, yeah. it's gone right after. And honestly, I would highly implore that for people to do. Um, maybe if you don't, maybe not if you live in, in an apartment like me. Because actually, oh, right. weird story, man. Like I don't know. Like you don't have Instagram. Uh, you never really heard about what happened to me recently. But wow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most funniest story that's ever happened to me, man. What, so, like, yeah. Oh, dude. Okay. Yeah. A funny story that used to happen to my father uh, when we lived. Um, you know the great buildings just uh, beside you. Okay. Yeah. 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 When we used to live there. That's literally what happened every single time my father opened like his his stereo music. Just like. Just even a crack, it's like a complaint. A security guard would show up and he's like, yo, tone it down. Like, the heck did we do? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of lucky that I live in this uh, building that I know, which actually, for those who are listening, um, Rob actually also lived, used to live in the same building that I used to, or that I'm well, currently living yeah. in right at one point. Yeah, so this is, yeah, so this is, it's very, it was like, wow, like, just went, like, like, obviously, like when we first met, we all talked about this and like, um, but yeah, anyway, so back to my story. Um, Shit, I got a complaint, man. And like this, okay, first of all, when I first got the complaint, it was through like, um, isn't like those uh, big like envelope letters, the orange ones? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like this color. Yeah. 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 So I got that as like a full letter, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm going to read out the letter right now. So, okay. Uh, apparently, it says it's CC'd by the board of directors and CC'd by the management. This letter was issued on the 17th of November. But I only received it. It was it was only one neighbor. One neighbor wrote it and CC'd who uh, the the management people. He made up the CC. That doesn't make shit. That means shit, dude. Exactly. So (laughs) I didn't. I thought it was an official letter until I spoke to someone else about it, like my security guard and like my superintendent. And there was like, yeah, if it's not signed or if it's not signed by the person who's part of the management, it's an illegitimate letter. Yeah, it was only CC. It wasn't written by me. Yeah, exactly. So basically, this this letter was issued on the seventeenth of uh, November, but I only received it um, a week, exactly a week later, so the twenty fourth. Anyway, so the letter said, "Dear neighbor, please be aware that the drumming sounds that are coming from your unit are disturbing many of your neighbors to the point that one of them is considering moving out because of it." Good. Although, yeah. <laughs> Although practicing musical instruments is allowed during certain hours, you must understand that drums are one of those instruments that are so loud that the sound carries far beyond your unit. You should not know what uh, racer. I don't know, man. I'm assuming um, it's a she. It's usually it's usually uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a it's a guy. Yeah, oh, no. it's not. It's not a Karen. It's a Kevin. It's a Kevin. <laughs> no. But anyway, um, so uh, further on, it says uh 
there are a number of steps you can take to minimize the disturbance uh, to others while still being able to practice, such as putting pillows in the drums, which I already have, um, installing acoustic tiles around the drum kit, which I have, and putting a drum rug underneath the drum kit, which I already fucking have. So, and then it carries on with saying, um, there are many other hints and ideas to minimize and dampen the sound that you can find on the internet. We are not asking you to stop, but it is unfair for your neighbors to have to hear the drumming so loud on an almost daily basis while we are trying to relax and enjoy our own homes. Dude, what a fucking but, pussy, man. He fucking right? write a letter and not fucking talk to you for his face. That's what, I, that's what everyone has said to me. What a fucking Anyway, pussy. and then he, uh, <clears throat> he ends it off by saying, thank you for your time and, and understanding in this matter, your neighbors. So because it says your neighbors, what I did the exact next day was um, I literally went door to door to every single neighbor across from me and to the left, above me and below me. I couldn't speak to the neighbors directly above me and below me because they weren't home. But literally every neighbor, every single one, they're like, no, nah, it's not bothering us. Like if you got, if you got to do it, you got to do it. And plus, like we understand that you're not the only musician. We hear other instruments sometimes. And we understand that this this uh, condo has like has like rules implemented where like musicians can practice from three to six p.m. Mondays to Friday. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. So I'm like, I I do this not only because like because I can, but like I'm like technically thinking about starting like lessons and gaining students and stuff. So I need to like practice and stuff, and also like. Technically, like I kind of am freelancing at this point to some degree. Yeah. Right. So, like, anyway, it wasn't just this letter. It was an, he also attached two packages from like websites. So he printed out websites <laughs> about how to dampen my drums. And in, in one of the packages, it did say, um, uh, reduce drum volume tip number 10, make friends with your neighbors. So that's why I went door to door and I explained to everyone, Oh my God, like this dude is just like nuts because he also, like when I tried to talk to him, when I knocked on his door, he, I said, is now a good time to talk to you about this? Cause I didn't know it was, from, it was from him at that time. And he said, no, it's not a good time. And he slammed the door kind of in my face. So I was like, all right, that's kind of weird. Anyway, um, I come back from talking to all my neighbors and stuff at around like nine 30 at night. And then like my dad came home at like, like closer to midnight from work. Mm-hmm. And there was this door, there was this note left on my door. And I didn't know who it was from at that point either. At this point, I'm thinking it could be from one of the neighbors that I spoke to because I did tell them, I spoke to every single one of them. And I said, if there's anything wrong with like the loudness, you can come talk to me. I'm like, I'm okay with that. Or you can leave a note on my door with your name and your unit number. And uh, they, they were like, okay, that's fine. But like, we have no complaints. So I was like, okay, but if there are any, just let me know. Anyway, so I figured that it could have been from one of them. But then I found out by going to my security the next day that that one neighbor who didn't want to talk to me sent this whole stupid package. And he sent that really cryptic note. And the, the note was cryptic because it said, make white noise video. So <laughs> I have no idea what that means. A white noise? White, make a white noise video. So, okay, I don't know what white noise video is, but do you know what white noise is? I do know what, what, it's like a, the static of a TV. Yeah, it's just like, it just helps you filter out any other sound, I guess, whatever, especially when you sleep. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah, it was very, yeah, 
the heck? I have no idea. But anyway, this. Um, so yeah, uh, basically, what I was told to do was to call the city of Toronto. Which the number is three one one for those who are wondering. <laughs> um, which again, for those who are listening, if you live in Toronto, three one one is a number that you can call if um, if your if your emergency or if your question or concern isn't. Um, isn't like necessary for calling nine one one. If obviously call nine one one if you have really someone is either dead, dying, if there's a fire, you need you know assistance from the police. Exactly right. Anyway, I called three one one, and um, they couldn't really find any sort of like bylaws regarding regarding noise and stuff, or like the, obviously the the obvious bylaw is like no loud noises after eleven p.m. That's the cutoff in general. Mm-hmm. Or like regardless of where you live, mm-hmm. but basically they said. Um, long story short, is um, if your management is not coming down on you hard about the noise, and two, if you're not receiving any letters directly from the city of Ontario, like notices attached on your board on your door from the city of Ontario, you're doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so either way, though, I did like add extra dampening and padding to my drums, which made it, which makes it quieter, quieter for like practicing, but yeah. <laughs> well, damn. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's, um, uh, it's, uh, quite unfortunate, I guess. So I'm not, I'm assuming at this point, you know, who wrote the letter, right? as you said. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> one neighbor and, uh, <laughs> And like literally, I posted it on Instagram yesterday, and like a bunch of people, a bunch of people were like, "No, oh, this guy's an idiot. This guy just doesn't know like what he's talking about." And I'm like, "Well, that's your opinion, you know." I you kind know of know the guy. I think yeah. I think I know what that guy's trying to do. Um, all right, now correct me if, if like this is something wrong, but if you sign a lease agreement or like a renting agreement, right? Um, it depends on what they agreed to, but. If let's say in the renting, because he wrote there on the letter, um, if uh, some people are considering to move out or whatever, right? So I think what he's trying to make that contract with his uh, landlord, and I think he's trying to use it as an excuse. If you think about it, it could be, but I'm pretty sure he owns his unit because I like, yeah, a majority of people in in this condo they they do own their units. Obviously, people can't. I mean. Every unit technically is owned, but they can choose to rent it out to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like for those who are listening, like what we just said, um, I don't want to say like 10 minutes prior. Yeah, sometimes loudness <laughs> and musical instruments can be a stress reliever. <laughs> but uh, if you have um, if you have neighbors that obviously don't like that kind of stuff, you know, obviously try your best to not piss them off. <laughs> um, but it's honestly, I kind of understand, you know, why I got the complaint because I've had my drums in my apartment for the past uh, nine years, almost ten now. So I've had them since uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. I've never really gotten a complaint as badly as this, but I understand why now, of all times, because obviously with COVID 19, everyone's you know staying inside or forced to stay inside. Yeah. So you know, and working from home, obviously, so that probably does disturb. Um, people. So, yeah. yeah. Did you hear what happened uh, to one of the people that had um, like a hamburger shop or whatever, like a meat shop? Did you hear about that one? Oh yeah, he refused to close down. Yeah, 
You know what they did? Yeah. Then? I think they arrested him. I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's weird how, um, like, dude, there were like police officers all around that building, right? But if you think about it, if it's for COVID reasons or whatever, the my only question is, why is Costco still open? Yeah, why are all these big misses, big businesses open in general? Like Costco, Walmart, blah blahs. And I'm not saying I got anything against them because, like, technically, yeah, we kind of do need them. But like, so so this is what I was thinking, right? And, and this is like trying to use my noggin or whatever. Um, so I, I saw in the news how like this thing was closed or whatever, and I saw people going to Costco, right? But I know in order to go to Costco, you need that membership card. I don't have a membership card to go to Costco. Right. 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 So yeah. let's say some close, like I don't know, Sue's down the road or whatever, and they have like really nice cheap options and everything like that, right? And if I can no longer buy cheap stuff, right, that I rely on, I have to go to Costco. I have to pay for Costco. My idea here is: is it possible to get the city to pay for your Costco membership card? Because <laughs> you're forced. Because you're forced. The shop technically yeah yeah You're forced to shop there right for lower prices and if they do have lower prices and they got rid of my lower prices from elsewhere where else am i supposed to shop they they have essentially taken away um they're essentially screwing with like my money essentially right of like mm-hmm. what i can yeah. not buy if i wanted to buy lemons for you know 25 cents a piece but I'm now forced to go to Walmart and buy it for, I don't know, let's say 30 cents a piece. That's like five cent difference, bro. Yeah, I add that up and adds up. And I'm not just talking about lemons, I'm talking about for like, you know, anything that can, you know, be there. Literally anything, yeah. Yeah. And at Costco, they get really nice deals, man. Like, really. I mean, one time I got like, you know, this, like almost a meter big meat, man. Almost, like, almost yeah. big. I mean, like, you know, yeah. get all out of it and everything. But they gave a lot of food there, man. That was 20 bucks, bro. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. was, I don't know, that, that was cheap meat, but that's because like no one actually works like cutting and everything else. But my thing is, if I am forced to shop somewhere, I should be given the membership to shop there, is what I'm trying to say. Otherwise, it's forced, um, I don't know, like, like they're forcing you to, to, to do it, to, to buy a membership on there. And like, why? You know what I mean? It's mm. I think what I'm going to say to that to also conclude this episode is, um, Maybe you should write a letter and send it off, <laughs> leave it at their door. <laughs> wow, man, that's awesome. uh, but yeah, for those who are listening, um, I am going to close out the show now because um, we have rambled on for quite a bit. But like I said, for those who are listening, thank you if you've made it this far. Um, you know, my guests know we do ramble on sometimes about certain topics, but. You know, that is a whole notion of the name Save Your Breath, where we have our own thoughts and opinions about certain topics and we, you know, we just want to express them. So, Rob, I want to thank you for being on this episode. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me. No, man. It's my pleasure. Honestly, <laughs> I actually want to have you back again so we can talk some more because these are, these are great talks, man. You know, I actually 100%. really enjoyed them. Yeah, this is why I like to like the like these uh these video talks because like I like because I I can see your expression and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> it's talking. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good. It's good to talk to a face instead of you know a screen or whatever. 
Um, there is there is something very therapeutic about just talking to yeah. someone. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, so for those who are listening, uh, obviously Rob did just mention that we are talking over Zoom, but um, I'm not ready to sort of install a video component on this podcast just yet. Um, hopefully in the future, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but you know, like I said before, if you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much, and um, we will see you next time. Thank you.